today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Ever, we will be with the Lord. So my question to you this morning is, how about you? Do you have that assurance? Number one, that if you died today, you would be in the presence of your Lord and Savior. Or that if Jesus came to receive his church today, do you have that assurance that you would not be left behind? Do you know that you know that you are the Lord? Beloved, you can make certain of that even today. Aren't you glad that his love never fails and never runs out? In today's message, Pastor David shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you have the assurance that if you died today, you would be in the presence of your Savior? Or if Jesus came back today, do you have the assurance that you would not be left behind? Jesus died on the cross for you. He saved you while you were still a sinner. Choose to believe in him and that you're forgiven and you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit and destined for heaven. What a gift. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with part 2 of today's message, Caught Up Together. I'm going to give you something weird. This isn't biblical, but it's an understanding that I have. It kind of helps me understand. There's no Timexes in heaven. There's no Rolexes even. There, there's no time in heaven. I believe for our, those that have passed away, it's already a done deal. It, it's done. We are confined by time. We wait day after day after day until the culmination of all that God has planned. But don't you understand that in God's mind, in God's understanding, it's already done. It's already complete. That's just a sidebar. There's no extra charge for that. Take it or leave it as it goes. (laughs) Back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says that we stand on the promises of the word of God. Look what he says in verse 15. For this we say to you, how? By the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. He tells us also in 1 Corinthians 15, that passage that I alluded to a moment ago. Uh, As I said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52 of 1 Corinthians 15 says, it's gonna happen in a moment, in in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Beloved, we stand with all believers 
everywhere throughout the ages with that anticipation, with that expectation of the coming of the Lord and the reality that this ain't all there is. And are we happy for that? Amen? Okay, it's not good English, but it is great theology. Okay? This ain't all there is. There's eternity before us. Rather you believe in the rapture of the church or not, it's not gonna keep it from happening to you. Trust me, when the trumpet sounds and you go airborne, you'll believe in the rapture, okay? <laughs> but, but seriously, uh, there, there's a lot of people that don't believe in the rapture, and I, I understand that. It's not a salvation issue, uh, and they don't believe that the Bible really clearly speaks of the rapture. It doesn't use the word rapture, but the, word, but the Bible doesn't uh, clearly speak of the Trinity. There's a lot of places that we bring the inference, the understanding of it. They don't believe that there is going to be this catching away of the church before or separate from the second coming. They believe that the second coming and the taking of the saints together is all uh, one event. But I, I would ask you, if you would this morning, to bear with me for a moment, listen honestly, and try to listen without prejudice uh, uh, for, for a moment. Because I do believe that the Bible very clearly speaks of the rapture from Genesis to Revelation. Now, first of all, let's look again at what Paul says right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look down in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be what? caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So you need to ask yourself two questions. If you're honestly desiring to know, is there really and truly a rapture? Number one, does Paul ever use the word rapture? And then number two, in the instance which Paul speaks of here, is it any different than what we know biblically of what the second coming of Christ is going to happen, what's going to happen during, at the second coming. First of all, let's look at the word rapture. In verse 17, Paul says, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. The very phrase caught up is what I want you to focus on. The Greek word that's used here is harpazo. Harpazo, according to Kittle's Dictionary of the New Testament, means to steal, to capture, to snatch, to seize, to take by force, or to catch away. We can also look at Strong's uh, concordance or, or concise dictionary of the New Testament. Harpazo has a very similar meaning, uh, meaning with Strong's. It means to seize or to catch up, catch away, to pluck, to pull, to take by force. Now stay with me here. When the Greek scriptures were translated from the Greek to the Latin, the Latin word for caught up or snatched up or taken away by force is the word rapturo, R-A-P-T-U-R-O, rapturo. And just as we do with a lot of Latin words, we simply changed it slightly and that's where we get the term rapture, okay? So if you don't like the word rapture, that's okay, that's okay. 
you can simply say that we're waiting for the catching up, for the seizing, for the snatching away, for the taking of force uh, of the church. And so you see, I do believe that Paul used the word rapture, uh, but it was just all Greek to him, okay? He just said it in Greek. Now, the second thing about this passage, Paul says we will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, if you think that this is a clear and and a parallel picture of what we know about the second coming of Christ, then there's some scriptures that you need to either read or reread. Zechariah 14.4 speaks about in that day, the great day, the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, that his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, and on it goes. Now, when he comes, it's not gonna be in the air. He's gonna come all the way down. He's gonna stand. Such passages as this. Oh, in that same uh, Zechariah passage, down a little bit further in, in verse five of chapter four, he says, thus the Lord my God will come and all of the saints with him. So the saints are coming with him at that time. He's not coming to get them. They're coming with him. There's other passage, uh, Ezekiel. We can look at uh, Daniel. We can look at Joel. We can look at a whole host of other Old Testament passages speaking of the day of the Lord or the second coming of Christ. And we know that on that second coming of Christ, it's going to be a time of judgment. It's going to be a time where the Lord, again, wages war against the nations and the unbelievers. We could read uh, Revelation chapter 19, uh, verses 11 through 21 again. We read about the second coming of Christ. And again, he comes with a sword out of his mouth, the, the, the word of God, that with it he should smite the nation. And with him are hundreds and thousands and thousands of his saints together with him. They're coming with him. He's not bringing them up. No, he's bringing them with them. Add to that the fact that Paul tells us here in chapter five that those who are children of God, those who are believers, that God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some believe that, no, the believers are going to be here through the wrath during that time of tribulation. I don't believe so. I believe that we're out of here. Hang with me as we look at this. As I said, I believe we see the rapture in action and in type from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis chapter five, keep your place in 1 Thessalonians. We're gonna go a couple of places here. Go to Genesis chapter five, if you would. Genesis chapter five is the genealogy of the family of Adam. Okay, so again, as, as the, the writing continues here, it begins with Adam, speaks about how long Adam lived and the sons that he had. Look at verse five of chapter five. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. And then what happened, church? Adam died, Okay. Next we come to Seth. Seth lived so many years and had his children, and look at verse eight. So all the days of Seth were 912 years. What happened to Seth? Look at Enos, uh, down in verse 11. So all the days of Enos were 905 years. What happened? He died. Canaan lived 70 years, begot Mahaliel, and on and on. Verse 14, so all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and what happened? He died. 
Mahaliel, uh, down in verse 17, all the days of Mahaliel were 895 years and he died. Come on, stay with me here. Jared, verse 18, uh, down in verse 20, so all the days of Jared were 962 years. What happened? He died. And then we get to Enoch, verse 21, down in verse 23, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years and he died. No, that's not what happened. What does it say about Enoch? Enoch walked with God and suddenly he was not for somebody murdered him, for somebody killed him, God took his life. No, what does it say? God took him. God took him. Now we can go on and and the rest of these guys, they died and he died and he died and he died. Even Noah died eventually. But Enoch did not die. We look at this for he was not for God took him. Now, are you ready for this? Once again, according to Strong's Concise Dictionary, this time of the Hebrew Bible, the word took in the Hebrew is lachach. Now, it means to take, to carry away, to be drawn, or to fetch. It also has the meaning to seize, to take away, or to take up. Now, you may or may not agree with me but I believe that the Bible clearly speaks that Enoch was raptured into the presence of the Lord. Now just hold on to that thought for a moment, if you would. You don't need to turn there, but most of you understand and remember in 2 Kings chapter two, a prophet by the name of Elijah. Did Elijah die? No, Elijah did not die. The word of God tells us that Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And I believe that this, again, was a form of being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now let's go to the back of the book. Remember I said from Genesis to Revelation, let's look back in Revelation. If you're hanging with me and you're still open and trying to understand for sure without a preconceived notion, please keep your mind open to the word of God and what the word of God shows us. At the beginning of the book of Revelation, We read John's words of the vision that he saw in that day. The first three chapters of this book, again, John's vision and then the messages to the seven churches. During this first three, as he's giving these, we see that John is there, God is showing him, or Jesus is speaking these messages to the churches. At the end of the message to the seven churches, at the end of chapter three, guess where we go from there? Chapter four, it just makes sense, right? Okay, so we go to chapter four, but we see that suddenly things change. Suddenly things change. John writes to us in chapter four, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, what? Like a trumpet speaking to me and saying, come up here and I'll show you things which must take place after this. And immediately, immediately, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians that at the Lord's coming for the church that there will be the voice of the archangel, there will be the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together 
in the, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, John writes here in chapter four of Revelation, the first voice which he heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, come up here. And again, that word translated, same idea, to spring up, to come up, to, to go up, to arise, to ascend. You may feel that I'm stretching the point here, but the fact is that there is a definite change that's taking place at this point as the Lord shows him the things which must take place after this. What is that after this? I believe it's after the church age, after the time of the work of the church, our time, after our time is done, something amazing is going to happen. We see in this transition here of chapter four, John is called to come up here. Beloved, I believe that it's a type, it's a shadow, it's an inference of the rapture, the catching up or the snatching away of the church. It says that immediately John was in the spirit, immediately he was in the spirit and in the heavenlies at the throne room of God and in the presence of the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Now, not to confuse you, hang on here but to draw more of the pieces together. 1 Corinthians 15, we've already alluded to it before, but Paul speaks about that event in 1 Corinthians 15 as happening in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Paul speaks in a moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. In Revelation, John says, uh, talks about the trumpet. He, he's called to come up here, and he says that the change took place immediately. Then in Revelation chapters four and five, we have just this continual time of worship, just this continual time of praise and worship at the throne room of God, just an amazing time of worship, thousands upon thousands of hundreds of thousands lifting up their voices. And then we move from chapter five of Revelation to chapter six through 18, Six through 18. And in chapters six through 18, we see a tremendous amount of events going on. We see that seven year period of God's wrath being poured out upon the earth. We move from the opening of the seven seals of the scroll to the marking of the 144,000 children of Israel that are sealed by God for redemption to the sounding of the seven trumpets, the two witnesses, the seven bold judgments, the scarlet woman, the beast, and this continual, this unrelenting worldwide destruction and tribulation as God pours his wrath upon the earth. And catch this, and yet in none of this, none of this do we read of the church. Not until chapter 19. In chapter 19, now there's a multitude of, of, of reasons I feel that during that seven years of tribulation, that's what we find in Revelation chapter six through 18. I believe that during that seven-year tribulation, the church is with Jesus celebrating the wedding supper of the Lamb. Here's one thing, it's, it's extra biblical. It's extra biblical, but did you know that in the first century, Jewish weddings lasted for seven days? Seven days. 
It was a celebration feast through the whole village. And you're thinking, yeah, but that's seven days and you're talking seven years. Well, we see that kind of transition all through the Bible, throughout the Bible. Seven-day wedding feast, a seven-year period that we are with Jesus. The wrath of God is being poured out on the earth. At the end of those seven years, Jesus then comes with his bride, okay, to call an end and to call a halt to it all. Uh, He comes back again, and he's going to reign and rule. We reign and rule with him for a thousand years. You didn't know this is going to be a revelation study, I know. But then in chapters 21 and 22, all things are made new again. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. There is a new Jerusalem, and all the saints will be with the Lord forever and ever. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow will be in the presence of the Lord. Beloved, when Paul instructs and he encourages the church at Thessalonica about that coming time when the believers will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. He ends it with the encouragement. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Being in the midst of wrath is not comfort. Being in the midst of the absolute destruction of this world is not comfort. Our comfort comes in knowing that the Lord is coming to take us who are not appointed to wrath to be with him as his wrath is poured out on this earth. The comfort that we have is the reality that for those of us who know Christ, we're going to have a great reunion day with those loved ones who have known Christ and who are now in his presence. It's the comfort that allows us to have sorrow even with hope, both of them together. Speaking of his father's death, Franklin Graham stated, well, the day of my father's passing has come. And while I miss him and my mother dearly, I take great comfort in knowing I will see them again. For those of you who have lost loved ones who know the Lord, is it sorrow? Absolutely, it's heartbreak. Be devastating. But you know what? We don't sorrow as those who have no hope because there's coming once again that great reunion day. Amen? That great reunion day when the Lord will draw all of his saints together in that great wedding feast of the Lamb, and forever we will be with the Lord. So my question to you this morning is, how about you? Do you have that assurance? Number one, that if you died today, you would be in the presence of your Lord and Savior. Or that if Jesus came to receive his church today, do you have that assurance that you would not be left behind? Do you know that you know that you are the Lord's? Beloved, you can make certain of that even today. Aren't you glad that his love never fails and never runs out? Amen? Amen. Amen. When's all this going to take place? Soon. When, amen. Soon, I believe. Soon and very soon. Concerning the times and the season, brethren, You have no need that I should write to you. Why? Because they knew that it could happen soon, at any day, at any moment. Beloved, are you ready for that trumpet call? But even more, well, that's, that's the most important thing. 
Secondly important, be listening for the trumpet. Amen. Because as soon as we hear that, I believe that we're out of here. Is that an escapist mentality? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to escape into the arms of Jesus. I don't know about you. Everyone has spent time wondering about the future, whether it's short-term, lifelong, or even into eternity. We've each at some point let our mind wander into the unknown. While we can't ever know the future for certain, we do know certain truths about Jesus' return and our place with Him for the rest of time. As Pastor David continues to teach through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we pray you find comfort in these things. We also pray that you know where you're going to spend eternity. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus with your whole life? If not, we'd be honored to tell you more or to pray with you as you take that step. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd encourage you to also find and begin regularly attending a local church, one that teaches God's Word and practices what they learn. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Hey, again, thanks, Chris. I would love to be able to meet you in person and include you in the weekly worship services here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. We spend time in the Word and in prayer and in worship. Be sure to stop me after the service and introduce yourself. Visit theopenword.com for more information and to find the service times. Just follow the links to our church homepage. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.